With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics Podcast in association with 23. This is the show that combines our love of football and very average Sunday league playing experiences with our knowledge of football statistics and data analytics. It's episode 36 and we're off down a tactical route this week. But before we head down said tactical route, my name is Ryan Bailey and I'm joined by my good friend, Mark Carey. Mark, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Um, It's coming home. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was I was just going to say, are you going to say it first? Yeah. Or I, you know, there's a there's a big thing on the agenda in the next few weeks, and that's mainly football coming home, right? Exactly. We always have a England centric spin in terms of talking about the Premier League a little bit more than the other leagues across Europe and across the world. But this time, it's the international version. The Euros are about to start this week. I, for one, am very excited. Um, I think it's definitely coming home because we've got England have got games at Wembley. So whether or not they win it, it's still coming home, which is well, fantastic. It, isn't that technically what it was meant to mean in the first place? The yes. fact that it was Euro 96 and it was hosted in England. So that's where it came from. <laughs> but yobs like us just took it and we started shouting, it's coming home with beer spilling down ourselves every time England came close to the goal. Absolutely correct. Yeah. So uh, we're actually bringing it back. You know how much I like the facts, Ryan. The yeah. actual facts are it's just simply that we have a role in hosting Euros, the Euros this year. So, uh, yeah, very excited uh, for the next, I guess, month of football, pretty much daily, which to be fair, the past season has been pretty much daily football anyway. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not a shock to the system. But yeah, three games a day. I can't wait. I, it's those two o'clock games, isn't it? When you find yourself watching North Macedonia versus someone random uh two o'clock in your living room with a cup of tea and you're just fixated on the tv and uh it, there's no other feel like a tournament is there also we've obviously been deprived an extra year having uh not had it last year because of the uh pandemic so i think it's uh it's been long 
it's been long anticipated, hasn't it? And yeah, I'm I'm super super excited. What what are our chances? What what's your if Mark Carey's prediction for England? How far do you think we can go? Yeah, this might link back to our uh, unpopular opinion from uh, a few episodes <laughs> back. I mean, I don't think that England will win it. I think that's sort of fair to say. I think the expectations have got to be a bit more realistic. Um, I think we could and should be happy with semi-finals. Anything beyond that is a bonus. I think yeah. with the the youth that we've got, I think it's the second youngest squad across the whole twenty-four teams in the in the tournament. So, um, you know, there are plenty of you know, winners in there winning Champions Leagues and leagues and stuff. It's not that they're inexperienced in that sense, but there's just, you know, everyone in England obviously has a England-centric focus and thinks that we have the best players, which we have some really good players, but you can't discount the the big guns of the tournament, the likes of Portugal, Germany, Belgium, of course, are very experienced as well, and they've probably got their final chance of winning it with their golden generation. And yeah. Spain aren't as good, but obviously France, I think, are the favourites. So there's there's so many other big teams out there that I think anything beyond semi-finals is is a bonus. I think would you say that's fair? I think I'd see semi-finals as a successful tournament. I think I, I you know, yeah. if we got knocked out in the quarterfinals, then I'd probably be disappointed. But at the same time, I think isn't our quarterfinal round of sixteen potential going to be like against France or Portugal or something? I'm fairly sure I read somewhere that if we get out of our group, if we finish top, there's a there's a nasty fixture potentially on the other side. I might not have got my facts ironclad there, but I'm fairly sure we won't have the same nice route hmm. that we had uh, in in World Cup 2018, which at the time didn't matter, did it? But when you do look back, you kind of see how, how much uh, how much we maybe got away with the fixtures there slightly. So. You know, I I think we we can't get too carried away, can we? And actually, I did you read Gareth Southgate's letter I did. to Dear England? I thought that was fantastic, um, and he sort of really did the best job of sort of outlining the values of watching England, didn't he? As opposed to just you know sort of supporting them for the results on the pitch, what it means to represent England, and I thought it was a really fantastic uh, letter he wrote. No, I absolutely agree. It's yeah, as you say, it's everything that is represented beyond football, like. I know that in, in COVID times, it's a little bit more difficult, but you've spoken about that that moment in the pub when Kieran Trippier put it top bins yeah. and stuff. Like the, the moments and the memories that you get from these sorts of major tournaments, whether it's England or any other memory of the tournament, it it does stay with you for a long time. So uh, yeah, I can't wait for those memories to to continue and to, to, yeah, to happen this summer. I'm going to be watching... I think every single game. I think as part of my wow. job now, I'm going to be making sure that uh, I have Poor to watch you. every game. Um, so yeah, please feel sorry. For, yeah, if you'd like to sponsor me for one pound a month, <laughs> no, uh, I don't. Yeah, shouldn't feel sorry. Mark for me. sponsored Jobbery gets to watch football all day long. Oh, yeah. how does he do it? Don't feel sorry for me, but um, yeah, absolutely looking forward to it. And we tried uh, this week, as uh, some listeners uh, helped and and joined in on. We tried a Twitter Spaces for the first I time. I know to talk about our favoured England eleven for the first game. And I, for one, enjoyed it, Ryan. I don't know whether you did. I definitely did. Um, and I think that we'd like to to maybe do a few more. So, um, yeah, going throughout the tournament, just as a quick one, whether it's a reflection on the game or um, looking ahead to another game, whether that's England or anyone else, um, people can obviously request when they'd like us to do it with spaces, if, if they so wish. Um, but... That's another sort of medium by which you can hear us in real time. Well, and for those people who don't know what a Twitter Spaces is, like me, who uh, until yesterday didn't, 
uh, it, you're basically on the radio and you're just talking on Twitter. It, it was really fun. I felt like a phoning guest. I felt like I was sort of just chatting away about my opinions to uh, to random people listening, which I guess is what we do on the podcast. But you know, it felt a bit more sort of guest like, didn't it? So yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. I think it's a nice, quick way for us to share our thoughts post game, isn't it? Or maybe pre game for some for some of the bigger ones whenever we can, basically. So if anyone does want to join us on those. Uh, you're more than welcome to. I feel we obviously picked our, when we did it, we picked our England 11s. I feel like there's going to be a big Jack Grealish moment this tournament, Mark. I feel like there's going to, because we sort of both said, didn't we, that Grealish would be within our front three choices uh, mm. for our starting England 11s. Um, I feel like there's going to be a big moment and I, I think it's probably going to come from him. Although Phil Foden has painted his hair silver, which I guess suggests uh, he's out for a big moment as well. But yeah, I think there's a lot to get excited about. Absolutely is. I think one thing that which we spoke about in terms of picking our 11 on Twitter spaces was we forget that across all the tournament, obviously, there's five subs that's allowed within each game, yes. obviously, because of the, the new situation. So there's there's so much scope for there to be a, a moment for a substitute. Do you know what I mean as well? Whether it, yeah, whether or not shift. it's Yeah, whether or not it's someone from the start, and maybe it is Grealish from the start, or just someone to come on, make that impact in there. Uh, for any team and country to to be that one who makes the new memory so um that's yeah. surely the exciting bit isn't it because we were saying we can't you know and i'm sure loads of england fans agree when trying to pick your england first 11 gareth's got a bit of a tricky job because there's so much attacking talent to kind of switch around isn't there but actually that's a great point you make it doesn't matter just bring on the big guns if you're bringing on rashford and sancho because neither of them have started it's not a bad position to be in is it it's a good headache exactly yeah and i think it was i think in the championship because i think they got five subs or even if they don't have five subs you'll have to forgive me if i got that wrong but um that they just rotate their front three often all in one go uh, or they did last season in the championship so england could do the same where in theory you could have let's say starting with grealish Kane and Foden and then at, on the 60th minute just completely mix it up keep up the intensity mm. and put Calvert-Lewin up top you could have Sancho on the right Rashford on the left and you've just yeah. completely rotated the whole forward line keeps the England fans happy as well because they they probably want a bit of everyone I think that's a great idea well I mean so everyone we're very excited about the Euros and uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting to you along in the next few weeks about the about the, how that's going but in the meantime Mark we've got a tactical avenue to head down uh, so we should do that, shall we? Let's do it. So, as listeners will know, this is the Football Analytics Podcast, which means there's an analytics slant on most things we do. Uh, however, sometimes we like to go down a slight avenue of, uh, of tactics, tactical chat. We've spoken about Zone 14 before. We've looked into the evolution of tactics, including uh, the origins of the False Nine. And this week, I don't know... A thing about what we're talking about so mark is going to enlighten me it's something quite specific mark isn't it what we're discussing this week can you uh can you lead it in for us yeah it is it is quite specific but i think it's very intuitive when we actually break it down but it's a sort of a tactical approach uh, i think but um it's sort of under the umbrella of what we call the, the third man run okay um, or it's also referred to as as the free man and as i say it's it's a fairly simple sort of concept but it's an important one that can be really you know advantageous to actually you know break down an opposition and, and when it's done correctly it can be you know really simple but um really effective and uh essentially what it is is a it's just it's a third man run being a combination a passing combination with three players as you would imagine it being third man being key to that but yeah the role of each of the three players is kind of 
crucial in terms of actually being able to have that combination and it's something which can as I say it can look really simple but it's something that's clearly worked on in the training ground and and worked as I say to great effect so the, the idea basically if we were to imagine it and this is something which as often we do it's very difficult to explain through audio <laughs> you think we'd learn really yeah but it's very intuitively visual but let's try it anyway so everyone's gonna have to close their eyes and just imagine it here we go <laughs> so imagine that we've got obviously three players we've got player a and player a wants to pass the ball to player b is he passing it square or uh forward what which way is player a passing to player b so yeah it can be in theory anywhere on the pitch but i guess the main goal obviously to be to progress forward ultimately okay is is the main aim of it so player a wants to get the ball to player b but the passing lane is closed, which is, a, I guess, a technical way of just saying that there's a defender or an opposing player between player A and player B. So they're stopping yep. them from getting the pass to them, right? So what player A does, who has the ball, is just simply use a third player, which we will call player C, yeah. who is in space and has the angle, often we're thinking of you know playing in triangles, who has the angle to be able to get the ball to player B. Okay. So a simple layoff between from player A to player B via player C. So it yeah. takes out that that person who's blocking that initial pass and just creates an angle to be able to get it eventually to the designated person to be able to advance forward. Yep, yeah. okay. I understand so far. And that's essentially the the crux of it in terms of what it is, but it's if you if when done right and we'll talk about more of the nuances of it when done right it can be really simple but really effective in in dragging the opposition either from side to side or up and down through yeah what what you know the technical term being you know horizontal lines and vertical lines of yeah opening up space to attract the opposition player towards the almost the stooge the one player who thinks that he's going to be the one to receive the ball you know, for an extended period, and he knocks it off to the player who actually is the the designated player to receive the ball. Okay. And he's got potentially space to exploit. And yeah, it's dragging the opposition from side to side, creating overloads, which is essentially outnumbering the uh, the opposition in certain zones, certain areas. Um, and yeah, it requires, requires, as I say, neat training, a lot of close link up, a lot of understanding, um, of what each one's going to do um, and as I say when it's done effectively it can look really simple yeah um, but it, it's actually very much worked on uh, and trained well I think was it Guardiola who said um, it's not about moving the ball it's about moving the opposition in terms of the sort of shapes and stuff that they create is actually it's all about shifting the opponent's position isn't it by making yourself available and sort of coming up with different patterns to then open up play further up the pitch where, uh, where that you can then exploit so it, i don't know it's, it's, it, it takes a real sort of tactical eye doesn't it to be able to notice what people are doing because to the to the simple football trained eye it just looks like players are passing it about and there's no sort of coordination to it doesn't it but actually to think that these things are all well thought through and uh and and sort of practice is is, is really cool i think so so the third man run part of it, it is is literally specifying the movement of player c and where player c makes themselves available is that right to to open open things up for player a to get it to player b is that right 
Yeah, essentially that, and it's it's player C opening up the space, yeah, so that player B can exploit it. No, no one here is kind of static. Obviously, we're talking about it in simple terms, but the the fluidity of the movement is also important as well. So there's constant off ball movement where it requires the the defenders as well to make sure that they're tracking their man. And naturally, I, I guess as you say, with Guardiola asking his players to constantly move the team about, is that yeah it requires that yeah that movement and the opposition sometimes as is natural can be attracted to the ball or the player mm. on the ball and there can be a player who's moving almost on the blind side out of everyone's view who is the one who's being able to run into space and while it looks like maybe that initial pass is a simple one yeah it's actually a very important one to maybe get the ball back and and then play the ball into space and one of the examples, which is a specific version of the third man run, is called the up back through kind of method. Up, um, back and this through. is and this is something which uh, Marcelo Bielsa uses a lot, and it actually makes me think about then does that his his way of attacking inform his way of defending? Because Bielsa's leads are very much known for their man marking style, yeah. where they don't want to get attracted to the ball quite as much, and they want to keep their shape with being able to track the man it just makes me think of that and we can come back to this but the up back through combination essentially looks to kind of work between horizontal and vertical lines where essentially it's player a is playing it to to player b player b passes it back to player a so it's just a simple wall pass mm. really just going what looks to be like an ineffective pass yeah but meanwhile let's say that player b is a uh is a forward who's just dropping in almost like a false nine yeah. dropping in coming deep from the midfielder just a simple wall pass back to the midfielder but player c might be a, a wide forward who's actually going to then exploit the space that player b has, has you know vacated and dragged that defender with him or her the, the player C is actually going to then exploit that space. So it goes up up to from player A to player B, back to from player B back to player A, and then through from player A to player C. Yeah. So do you kind of get that that movement where it's just a simple I do, that's really one clever. back and then into the space? I do, that's really clever. That's like a variation on the first one that you said because originally player C was coming to receive so that then player A could get it to player B but in this instance then in Bielsa's instance it's using player B to give it back to player A and then the run of C is where it's exploited yeah God, we and we've got a lot of A, B and C gibberish here. to people here but in my mind A, B, C makes sense yeah but essentially it all comes down to just a combination between three players and what um, that what that player C does is the is the effective part of it isn't it essentially do you know what this reminds me of when I play five aside I get really frustrated sometimes because I'll pass the ball to a player and then I'll be like give it back so then you know they're slightly for me and, and some people at five side just refuse to pass back towards their own goal but maybe I've got a bit more of a Bielsa brain than I give myself credit <laughs> for because in my mind I'm thinking if you give it back to me then I can spread it over there where you can't currently see because there's a player in your way but you know tunnel vision doesn't allow it sometimes for your average five-a-side Monday player but <laughs> uh, but I think it's that so you know I've basically been practicing a third man run uh, all my five-side playing career. I've, I've well, just realised in this episode and I feel great. This is the thing. I mean, yeah, Ryan Bielsa, you can call you from, from now on. But <laughs> it's, Bailey it's exactly Elsa, that. no. <laughs> and it's it's just that the, the picture, if you were to take a freeze frame that 
when when the initial player has the ball, you take a freeze frame of all the options that they have and how the defense is set. And okay, there might be nothing on at that moment in time, but just a simple pass to a player and get it back again. Freeze frame it again, that the same player's got the ball again. Mm. But within the space of two seconds, the picture is very different. There's off ball. Because the opposition shifted. Yeah, the idea is to move the the opposition from left to right, up and down, that sort of thing. Create space so that it may be that that person, that initial, let's say, midfielder is on the ball again. And it looks like no progress is made, but there's off ball movements. And it comes back to something that we said about uh, a couple of episodes ago with pitch control, Mm. where it then looks to see, okay, well, then between the two teams, who now is the, the quickest to be able to reach the ball if it were to go into this zone or that zone. And the whole point is that you're pulling the opposition from you know pocket to pocket, from zone to zone, to open up space to then essentially get into a highly lucrative area to, to score. And that's the obviously the crux of, of football. It's not just starting yeah. with the goalkeeper and getting to the goal as quickly as possible. You've got to work out the space. And essentially, it's, it's that. And as I say, with... With the third man run, there's different ways of which you can eventually get the ball to the the designated player. As I say, whether it's whether it's an up, back, and through, or whether it's just from one to another via a third player. But yeah. essentially, the crux of it is creating space and being able to get it to the person that you want it to via a different means rather than just a direct ball. You know when you see like Bielsa kicking off on the sideline, like he'll sometimes be on his knees in his crouched position. And then he'll sort of like jump up and shout at his players because they mm. haven't done something. Do you, is it because they've gone for the up back, but then someone didn't do the through? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they, it, it's these patterns, isn't it, that they've constantly got their eye on, looking out for uh, to make sure that's happening. And, you know, afterwards in, in press conferences, you know, possession managers and, and tactical managers always say, don't they? You know, we created nice shapes today or we we sort of, played the ball we moved the ball well and all that sort of stuff and I guess this is the kind of thing that they're talking about is that these plans that they've shaped and developed in training have been executed on the pitch to good effect I guess that's what being a manager for those guys is all about isn't it yeah absolutely right and it's it's funny that we are still on Bielsa and there was a really cool video that I saw and I'm going to put the link in the bio um, it's not my favorite type of journalism but it's good nevertheless it's from Sport Bible yeah but it's a really good little quick video of Leeds, basically Leeds United in training, training that third man concept, which I think is just so, so interesting. And people have said that it's just so linked with Bielsa. And also we've spoken about Guardiola as well. And we know that Guardiola obviously thinks uh, a lot of Bielsa and his mm. tactical uh, approaches and stuff. So it, it just simply working on that. It's just that off ball movement. And it can be such a real threat as an attacking approach because it's so hard to defend against when done right because it's such a useful weapon that you can't necessarily always track that if we're thinking about that up back through way that that person who's coming into the space is coming potentially from deeper maybe from behind the the initial person who's making that pass and it's so hard to track that run when they've built up some speed and then before you know it they've they've found themselves in space because it was all part of the plan from the beginning, even though they were nowhere near the play at the yeah, start. Yeah. So I'll put a link to this Sport Bible uh, article in the uh, in the bio, and it shows a really effective uh, example of Rafinha scoring um, for Leeds against West Brom this season. So it shows that it's not by chance, it's yeah. very much by design. So, I love it. Um, really interesting one, I think. Just one more on this before we move on. It's like when in training you do, you know, the rondos, 
and you're there's two players in the middle of what five and you're passing it round. It's like that, isn't it? Because when you're the defender and and say I pass it to my left to you, the defender has to go towards you to try and block you off. If I then give it straight back to the other person and then you've opened up space on the far side because there's less people it's like it's all about just shifting those people and that's why they must all train like you just see them in warm-ups don't you all the time doing these passing movements in small little circles um Mm -hmm. and it all it all makes sense it's all there it's absolutely that it's absolutely that and it's it's yeah whether it's circles or in this third man run example creating triangles obviously because there's three of them but it's absolutely about the, the the passing angles but also doing it at speed. And I think you make an important point there of doing it quickly because if <laughs> we're talking about five aside again, I'm gassing out after five minutes. <laughs> I want to put my foot on the ball. I want to look up and then I want to pass it. By that point, it's too late. That angle is gone or that moment yeah. has gone to pass. So doing these things at speed where it's a simple one-touch layoff and before you know it, someone's in space. I think you know, this is why we're talking about the professional game rather than our five aside. <laughs> but it's, it's obviously important to do that and creating those angles at speed. Um, I'd love to yeah. see what Bielsa would say if he saw us play football on a Monday and what he'd make of our uh, passing shapes. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, maybe one day. Yeah, plenty of Spanish expletives if he saw us, <laughs> if he saw us playing. Okay, so for this next bit, we have enlisted the help of friend of the podcast and former guest, uh, he's performance analyst and academy coach at Mulder Football Club. It's Eric Laurie. Mark, listeners will remember Eric, who joined us in episode 10. Uh, we had a great chat with him talking about his role uh, in Norway. Um, and basically, Eric, since he has been on the podcast, has done some fantastic public work that you can see on his Twitter profile, where he basically offers lots of insights and explainers for tactical concepts. Uh, so we thought it only natural, really, to ask Eric what he thought about uh, about the third man run, didn't we, Mark? So you reached out to him and uh, and asked asked for some of his thoughts, and and he came back with a belter. Yeah, as as always, we you know we've known Eric for for some time now, and I thought if we're going to speak about tactical approaches, then who else and who better to speak to than than Eric, of course, and um, he he loves this sort of thing anyway, and he's he's admitted as much. So it was hopefully enjoyable for him. But we have uh, enlisted his help, and he sent us some stuff over, which is great. And I think it's just adds just that greater depth of insight um, to what we're talking about. So it was really great. So obviously on the yeah on the note of the the free man, um, I think it's an important thing that some of the insight he gave was was again like this whole concept. It makes sense intuitively, but it's really important to to note. And when you're thinking about tactics, he was saying about that the side in possession, in theory, has a natural numerical superiority, has a natural advantage in outnumbering the opposition because you can now obviously use the the goalkeeper. When you're in possession, you can use the goalkeeper to create those advantages yeah. in, in terms of those numbers. Whereas if you're the defending team, the goalkeeper can't necessarily dive out and, and defend because they're obviously yeah. coming out of their can't line. Can't charge so, down player C. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, it the yeah the team in possession in theory always has a bit of a numerical superiority. So it's just about how they can maximise those overloads or however it may be by potentially dropping players in from attacking roles. And that's where we talk about that false number nine role. I'm obviously going to have a Liverpool slant, but the likes of Firmino dropping into the midfield a little yeah. bit, but allows them to allows Liverpool to to advance forward because they've always got that free man. And that's yeah. essentially what obviously this third man is. It's used interchangeably with the free man. You should always have that numerical advantage. So yeah, when you think of it in terms of, you know, dividing the pitch up into these zones, 
they should always have that that numerical superiority and always be able to find that that free man and that's a really important note that that eric said that if you're going to use it and maximize this um this approach then in theory if, if done right you should always be able to to do it effectively but obviously in practice it's it's a lot more tricky if you don't do it well 100 percent. and i guess the reason why it's obviously so helpful and useful for the attacking team as a as an approach is because in order to to advance up the pitch and obviously create chances you want to give your players as much time and space as possible to be able to make those decisions in advance and and as i say create a chance so by having that free man at any one time then you're more likely to maximize the space and the time that the player that the player in question the one who you want to get into that dangerous area you're maximizing the time that there will that free man will be able to get into those dangerous situations and be able to advance the ball yeah so as as if you have quick interplay and quick interchange in terms of those passes to ultimately give the the striker the forward whoever it might be more time to to actually do what they need to do in those key areas that's another you know key key approach to that so this all really then essentially links with playing out from the back is what you're saying because if you invite pressure when you've got the ball at the keeper's feet and in your defense then naturally you've got more space up the top haven't you because their their attacking players are, are coming towards you and and i guess if you can work the the triangles and work the the third man run around areas in your own defensive half i guess you're then maximizing the opportunity aren't you up front for your pacier players to to get in behind or to sort of exploit those spaces in the middle and stuff so so is that kind of linking with what we're saying the whole playing out from the back phenomenon which is obviously been the biggest thing in football in the last sort of 10 years hasn't it that everyone's trying to do yeah i think it's, it's a really important point and again it comes back to the goalkeeper being almost used as an outfield player or someone who obviously uses their feet which is it's not that new of a concept goalkeepers always been able to do this but obviously with the the changing of the rule of you know the back pass rule however long ago that was that yeah goalkeepers are now more expected to be able to play with their feet a lot more so starting from the back they've got that instantly got that numerical advantage because they can always go back to the keeper and start again and maybe go from left to right or whatever it might be um so yeah i think that's absolutely important and i think that there was something which uh tom warville did at a conference this is going back a couple of years now if i'm not mistaken that he did something about goal kicks of just how much the a team advances the ball um in in their possession at any one point and they advance it further now when they play a, a short goal kick than when they were to just sort of lump it long. Like, yes, you might advance the ball longer with a massive kick up field, but ultimately within five seconds, you are going to lose it because there's a lot of 50-50s yeah. and stuff. But in that sort of, that chain of possession, if you start from from the back, from a short goal kick and work your way up and have these numerical, this numerical advantage as you go, ultimately you are going to actually advance the play further in the in the long run, if that makes sense. So yeah. Um, yeah, that, you're absolutely right there. If, if it Wasn't there another right rule as well back. where now, aren't players allowed to receive the ball within their own penalty area now from a goal kick as well? Wasn't yeah. that a rule that came in recently that, that sort of changed things slightly? Because you, you're allowed even even more so now just to pass even shorter than you could. Because like, before you'd have it, wouldn't you? Where there was the centre-back to be on the edge of the area to the right-hand side or something. Um, so it's all geared towards, isn't it, allowing this build-up play from the back? Yeah, and it, it can be, you know, sometimes at your peril. We've seen a few examples where it has gone horribly wrong. I think Arsenal, uh, 
like either last season or the season before had a few shockers where it didn't quite go to plan but as I say ultimately it's that it's creating that numerical advantage so um yeah I think that was a really good point from from Eric about that that you know natural advantage in terms of numbers and he also spoke about that up back and through um method the more of the nuanced example of the the third man run and stuff of just how much it can be really dangerous and you think that you're almost in a you get a false sense of security as the defending team and that you think that you've almost got the got the opposition yeah. covered in terms of let's say a, a forward drops deep to come and collect the ball but the defender is tracking them really closely getting really tight to them they think that they're they have kind of they've defended well they've they've covered the man but a simple wall pass back those those players who are facing with their back to goal are actually really essential in just playing that simple ball back and then it's the most dangerous players who are facing towards their goal when they have the ball who are the ones that ultimately that's where you want to get get those players on the ball as quickly as possible so you're drawing that pressure in from the the false nine or whoever it may be the, the forward dropping deep opening up the space for the the person to the player to actually face their goal and be running at goal into space which is ultimately what you want to to do more often than not and actually get get space to to attack so uh yeah it can sometimes look like you're in a in a good position as the defending team you're tracking your players but ultimately yeah that's where the the space is important and defending the space is just as important as defending the man 100% love it great stuff and one final thing from from Eric which I thought was really interesting is that this is where I'm saying how it's so important to have you know really good training on this it's not just simply like passing it between you the the angles are so crucial and we spoke about those use of the triangles yeah. before is that uh, uh, linking between vertical and horizontal lines and essentially what I mean by that is that let's say I was you know in the middle of the pitch and I was passing to you and you were just directly yeah, straight okay. ahead of me now if if the defender's coming up and going to charge you down they kind of know because you're quite square on where you're going to go there's not too much it's not like you can I mean you could re- really quickly turn and go to your right hand side but the likelihood is that you're going to take a touch and play the way you're facing Whereas if you were to pass, if I was to be in the middle of the pitch and you were to be just just to my left ever so slightly, you can open up your body. You could maybe play it back to me, but you've also got the the rest of the yeah. pitch that's opened up. So those passing angles and those vertical and horizontal lines are really crucial to be able to open up those different spaces because you might then be able to play that triangle almost. I, I play it a bit more left to you and you play it to someone on my right and you're creating those triangles rather than it being just a straight pass um, just simply forward so the the use of triangles is really crucial there as well and that is what then opens up the space for others to run into it different angles off the ball movement and uh, and again maximizing the the space ultimately really like that it's um it's probably a silly thing to say but they're really good these footballers aren't they because that's a lot to think about isn't it when you're sort of thinking about where you position yourself it's you know there's, it, there's a lot more to it isn't there than just sort of finding yourself somewhere and shouting for the ball i think it's uh yeah as as with it's everything in, in tactics and, and analytics and everything it's just the the thought process that must have to go through the minds of players to know exactly where they are to maximize the angles and the opportunities that they've got it's just yeah there's so much more to than just what meet what meets the eye when you're uh watching football in the pub or something isn't there i, I always <laughs> i always love this kind of chat it's yeah no it's absolutely true and i think that obviously 
professional footballers do have a real appreciation for space i think obviously us talking about it on a podcast it's it's say it's so intuitively visual and physical that on the training pitch it, you can start to get a bit more muscle memory and you can actually start to practice these things a little bit so i hope that we've not confused listeners too much and they can kind of ABC, visualize what we're talking about yeah acdc so maybe that could be our new jingle acbc for the podcast but uh yeah as i say it's it's something which i i agree it's it's quite a tricky one to kind of talk about but it's it's a very simple concept when done either visually or in practice and that's Um, well that's one of the great things about what eric does i think on twitter when eric breaks down these concepts mm. he's got great diagrams that go with them and uh sort of threads that really explain the the concepts really thoroughly so uh we'll link we'll link eric's twitter profile and the episode that he featured in as well uh in the bio and uh yeah thanks to eric again for for sending it across um Mark, I think that's I think that's everything we've got on the third man run. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that as well. I think it's it's always fun to do the, the tactical ones. I know that our strengths are more in the analytics side and the numbers side, but it's always good to pepper in some uh, some tactical ones and to draw upon friends of the pod um, to to help us along. So thank you again to Eric for his insight. I mean, who else? We've got to we've got to ask Eric if we're going to do tactical stuff. He well, is there we go. the master at that. Um, and yeah, if you don't already check out Eric's work, then absolutely do. Um, he's on Twitter. We'll link his. His bio, as as Ryan said. So thanks again to Eric. There we go. Thanks to Eric. And uh, thank you to you lot for listening at home. Uh, Obviously, the Euros begins tomorrow. This is going to be the main excitement. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode, but we also hope you thoroughly enjoyed the Euros tournament. We'll uh, we'll be bringing you a couple of episodes in the meantime. And also, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we'll try and do a few of those Twitter spaces. Get down with the kids. We'll be online and live. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try and do a few of those along before some games, after some games. Uh, and we'll be tweeting along uh, the whole time as well because it's just an exciting period, isn't it, what we've got coming up in the next few weeks. But in the meantime, if you would like to get in touch with us, tell us uh, what your thoughts were on this episode or just any thoughts in general on the Euros and football, uh, you know where you can get in contact with us. We are fanalytics.pod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at fanalyticspod. Uh, Mark, thank you very much again for today. And uh, final thing to say... It's coming home. See you on the other side. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.